Welcome to Innovation, a place where I discuss the world of business, innovation, technology, and beyond with a rotating crew of industry experts and mainstays. Enjoy. We are taping this on a Monday, June 19th. Um, happy post weekend, everybody. Um, it's been a scorcher here in Washington, D.C. I suppose that it's getting quite warm everywhere else. I heard that in South Florida, it was close to hitting 100. So, um, yay us. I have an incredible guest uh, today. Um, probably one of the most accomplished guests that we've ever had on this podcast, uh, Maria Cavalcanti. Uh, she is the president and chief executive officer at Promujer. Um, she has uh, she joined Promujer in 2016 and brings over 25 years of professional experience advancing women and working with a wide range of business and nonprofit organizations across Latin America, the United States, Western Europe and india maria welcome thank you it's a pleasure to be here so i'll i'll um one one key issue which you cover and focus on uh women's issues is near and dear to my heart um i worked on and women empowerment issues and equal pay issues um, during my time with the administration i actually led uh, the president's equal pay app challenge several years ago and um, partnered with over 50 organizations to make sure that we develop the right technology tools to ensure that women um, earned what they were what you know what what they had the right to earn versus continuing to feed the wage gap so I'm so thankful that you're on and so appreciative for all of your work Thank you and bravo because we need that. We need more of that. We need that message uh, to all to all levels of uh, of, uh, of to all sectors to to different generations because sometimes we don't realize how much that impacts the the lives of everyone in the planet. If you exclude half of the of the population of this country of the planet to contribute towards a better economy, right? So absolutely, bravo. Thank you. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about Promujer and its mission. So Promujer started about 27 years ago and uh, uh, two teachers, a Bolivian uh, woman and an American woman got together on the outskirts of um, La Paz, which was actually one of the poorest regions in uh, Latin America at that point, and started discussing the situation of women and what they saw was a need for education, for self-awareness, for empowerment, and uh, at discussing with the women, they were very custom-centric, if you will, at that point, um, they would sit down with them and start discussing what the women really ne needed, and soon enough, realized that there was a need for very early stage capital. So they felt that they were independent, that they could then um, have their own voice, develop their own ideas and support themselves. So we started early into the microfinance space about almost 30 years ago, 
one of the early organizations that started microfinancing in Latin America. Um, focused solely on women initially, and then started uh, expanding the, the 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 focus beyond just the the woman in itself. Because, as as we know, you know you don't treat uh, you don't treat uh, exclusion with exclusion. So the idea was to start having uh, workshops with the families and um, and supporting. The building the entire system that was supporting to those women and uh, really working towards empowering them. To over these uh, 27 years, we have disbursed over three billion dollars in small loans to women in Latin America. And about uh, 15 years ago, we started looking into other uh, constraints that women had, especially those early stage micro entrepreneurs that uh, were still working in the informal economy, even though they were growing in their own businesses. And we felt that uh, healthcare was another area that we could really make a difference. Um, we start working with the women realizing that they needed healthcare primarily. They felt that the need was for their uh, families, uh, both the children and their husbands. They tended to forget that their own health care was uh, very important to the well-being of the family. And if they weren't there, the main, um, I would say, revenue uh, of, of the family was actually at risk. So we started working with them. But they saw health care in a different way. They felt that um, going into a doctor or bringing a, a child to a doctor, that was at a cost of, of their revenues that they would have to be away. So we had to be very innovative on bringing that service to them without creating yet another cost of opportunity for them. So that was one of the first times that uh, as microfinance, we started moving away from just microfinance. We started looking into uh, two different pillars. One, um, innovating on the financial service side, and the other side, including different types of uh, services that were from other sectors like healthcare and really truly training them into uh, co workforce development, micro uh, my, uh, entrepreneurship and, 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 and micro business management so they can then start empowering themselves. And that was part of what, uh, what we've been doing today and that we're about to launch publicly our uh, strategic plan for the next 25 years. And it's expanding on that, but now including uh, innovation and technology as a transversal throughout all of this. And a lot of what we will be doing is more of that, but basing on data, because we have been working with women for almost three decades, and uh, we feel that not only we have the demographic data, we have the financial data, we also have a lot of healthcare data that we can uh, codify, we can learn and contribute back to society. So from there, we expect better products from the business sector. We expect better services from the civil society organizations. And uh, we also uh, expect better public policies from governments that empower this um, group of women that today have still quite a bit of a, um, say a set of obstacles to be empowering and um, empowered and that and contributing towards a, 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 a more successful, more resilient and with better, you know, better economic, economic uh, um, development of Latin America. So, you know, just just touching on one of those key 
topics, it's and I go back to to wages, right? To fair wages, mm-hmm. to equal wages, <clears throat> which you you're also tackling. It's I I never forgot this statistic um, back back in you know in the time when I was working on these issues where. If if a man and a woman you know get out of college at the same time, um, over a thirty five year career, you will have if nothing is done if if nobody makes makes um, um, the woman aware of all these you know stra- key strategies and tactics on how to negotiate and how to ensure that they don't get discriminated against. There's about a three hundred twenty five thousand um, dollar wage gap mm-hmm. over these 35 mm-hmm. years and Absolutely. i don't know I, i'm sure it might be even worse i mean I, this is mm-hmm. just just basic recall but um and to me i never forgot about that and i thought to myself boy if if that if if i was just if i just found out about this right now i can't even imagine if i kept digging and looking for more stuff right you're absolutely right so so the i would say the the the, the, the differentials are so substantial in many aspects so it's not just on what the potential for a woman to gain but it's also the reinvestment on communities right so when when you invest on a woman data shows that anywhere from 75 to 90 percent of those revenues are reinvested in the communities and uh, in their families Mm -hmm. compared to anywhere from 35 to, to uh, high 40s for men hmm. so you see that it's not at the individual level that you that, that, that there would be a very large differential in anywhere and also the numbers you, you, you're talking about 350 the numbers I hear and that I see is anywhere from 300, 350,000 to 700,000 uh, uh, in difference but it's also how it goes beyond it's the collective yeah. impact as well and from a perspective of uh, the women that we are t- we we work with these are women that are very poor that have not yet in some cases have any experience with a bank mm-hmm. so even in the u.s uh or countries like the u.s uh, there is a lot of um challenge for women to go into a bank and get a loan so yeah. uh, you know, in even on a development, development, uh, developed countries perspective, women already face this this challenge. It's much more intimidating if you are a poor woman in Latin America, because you not only have culture, you have the f- whole infrastructure that does not support you, and then you also have the lack of a legal framework that mm-hmm. supports you. So mm-hmm. in some countries to this day, to get a loan, a woman would need to have either the father or the husband signature. So in some cases, and especially in Latin America, where uh, gender-based violence can become a major um, obstacle in a family's life, yeah. that is something that kind of play an important role on how women can get move on so it's 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 much bigger than just say okay well this is a a, a small loan to woman is taking the risk of looking into that credit scoring of that individual yeah. in a different way and then allowing that individual that woman to uh develop it her own credit history and educate her at the same time since this is the first time that they are dealing with monies and we're not talking a huge amount of monies but these are the first time that they are um being aware of financial uh, 
transactions. So there is a lot of uh, financial uh, education that comes along with it. Mm -hmm. And then beyond that is how do they grow? And as as they grow uh, as entrepreneurs, as women, how do they, what else can they aspire to? And, and that comes from them. It doesn't come from us and it should not come from us. It should come from them because we're here to support them. So it's not it should not be prescriptive. And very briefly, uh, one story that comes, to, you know, to very close to my heart is we. I was working with um, a, a group of, uh, of uh, board members that wanted to visit Mexico, and uh, we took them to eat at a restaurant, and uh, they were very impressed with the food. And then comes the owner of the restaurant, and it's this woman, very well appointed, and she started talking, and she said, I started as a promo hair client. And that everybody, you know, everybody stopped because it's just not the profile of what you can think of someone that starts her life without any um, monies uh, that has been victim of, of domestic violence that had obesity and um, depression, but now is very well appointed and she started talking about opening her second restaurant that she has to wake up at five in the morning because she jogs every day because she likes to make sure that her uh, diabetes is well in, in, well, uh, uh, in check. And it said it started with a hundred dollars loan and it started a long, you know, it was, it's been a long time, but it, it, it taught her so much more. So it's not, it's just opening doors. And today we have someone that is a, she has now she has this the, the second restaurant open she has a whole family that she ca uh, takes care of but she's also a role model in her community so we like to see that the change that we bring about it's way beyond just a loan or a the, the accessibility to a um health care it's transformative and and so that's important for us because it should transform the entire uh, community the entire family and she should be a role model and we need that in in Latin America um, I think that the region is going in a lot of great directions from a uh, social and indicator and, and economic indicators mm -hmm. perhaps not political indicators but definitely economic indicators but from a perspective of um, of uh, Domestic violence. The unfortunately, the I think that we still have a major a problem with gender base. So gender based social exclusion and discrimination persists within many of uh, routine of life in uh, of, of, of with women, especially uh, in particular to those women with few resources. One of uh, the things we've seen is that advocacy, social policy change, cultural shifts have contributed to the advancement of women in Latin America. But uh, in poverty levels have decreased, average life expectancies have increased, of course. But what we've seen is today we talk about femicide in Latin America in levels that we have not talked before. So those are things that we think the the important that the work that we do, it's still very important in making better communities through women. So we see women very much as a, um, uh, a formal uh, agent positive change. And uh, we recognize 
their creative potential to generate value and prosperity in their own families, their communities, and their economies um, as a whole. And how has how has this mission changed uh, since it started back in 1990? Because I mean, everything there's been so much change. Obviously, you know, at a very at a very basic high superficial level, you know, mm-hmm. let's say from a technology standpoint and certain certain markets have opened up, others have closed up. Um, so how has this mission changed? Because considering how broad and critical um, right. that it is. We, we have to learn how to age with our clients and at the same time become innovative and uh, uh, I would say very agile to support the younger clients so the 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 adult global water has shifted very rapidly since we started we started outside as i mentioned in el El alto which is outside bolivia almost 30 years ago Um, the complexities are much more i would say present in the lives of the women that we work with Mm -hmm. and they're more interdependent interdependent so what we see is that before we could address one community with training and, and then it was primarily small loans, um, things get to be broader. And um, one of the things, for example, that we saw with uh, draw the, the need for us to include healthcare services in a constantly and um, uh, evolving financial services sector. And and the reason we decided to do that was because the mission continues the same. The mission continues to empower women in Latin America. Um, the What we have seen is that as we move along and we look at women throughout the entire life cycle, that the, the vehicles or the mechanisms to empower women will change. In some cases, microfinance at one point played a very important role. Yeah. To this day, financial inclusion overall plays a very important role, but it cannot be the sole, the sole uh, mechanism that we can that, that exactly. we provide. So uh, in Nicaragua, we have a story of uh, you know Maria Alejandra, in which she started working with us on microfinance, and as we Inter, uh, in, introduced uh, health care, uh, Nicaragua has one of the highest levels of um, cervical cancer in, in Latin America. And we found out very early on through the services that we were providing that Maria Alejandra had um, a cervical cancer, very early state, but but had the cancer. And through and that, Maria, let me, we ask were you, able to, let me mm-hmm. ask you a question. And do they know why there's such a high rate of cervical cancer? Um, so, is there any hints, anything? They, they, there's a lot of discussion about this from a perspective of genetics, as yeah. well as, as some of the, the, the own practices. For, for, for many years or for that decades, women were not being checked on that. Yeah. So when we inter, inter, introduced this service, right, this, we started identifying that there is something that is happening in the country. But if you think that that woman, so Maria Alejandra, and I, this is a, I'm talking about her because not only she's our patient, she's our client, but it's also yeah. someone that um, I know personally. Um, in her story, really, you know, resonate with the stories of women that become the sole provider of a family. All of a sudden, you're doing better and you are bringing in the money, but then you realize that you have cancer. And what can you do? 
And if you don't even know where to start, then you feel even more abandoned. And all of a sudden, your family also is at risk. So that's the, the, the part is that we cannot just prescribe and say we're going to be addressing solely with microfinance or solely with exactly. healthcare. We need to be broader. So it, the mission stayed the same is what we deliver that has changed. And that uh, is not... I think one of the first things we had to learn is not to fear innovation and not to fear the change that are uh, dictated by our our, uh, beneficiaries. So today we're about to look into a whole set of new um, uh, products and services that we provide provide to clients and we start doing. And that includes, for example, digital inclusion. It includes connectivity. It includes... um, now we have the opportunity to bring these micro entrepreneurs mm-hmm. to the next level beyond the informal uh, economy, and this push is very important. It also includes um, workforce uh, support that goes beyond the financial services that we already do. It goes beyond the uh, well-being and healthcare uh, training, as well as the healthcare products uh, and services that we provide. And it's because if we say, okay, this is the only thing we're going to be providing, we're going to be providing the same solution probably to a different problem, right? Because women have, um, women, we have evolved in 25 years, in 30 years, Black Absolutely. America has changed dramatically. Yeah. But also, we still see a lot of young women now ready for something else. So we need, from a financial service perspective, we need to think about, of financial services that address the needs of a 25-year-old uh, young woman and a 70-year-old woman, which are completely different needs. But that applies also for healthcare, for example. Yeah, I mean, so, these are these are all different kinds of users in different stages right, of their exactly. life with different unique and specific needs. So it broadens right. your agenda. Right. Um, you know, it also makes your agenda very complex. So you mm-hmm. must use some very special <laughs> magic sauce to to manage this. Uh, uh, but, you know, so let's talk let me let me be very specific um mm-hmm. in terms of you know underserved women in quotations the underserved women in latin america how how are they reacting to that idea of including technology as part of um your mission your services and and then you can expand on on your let's say the age group that we're talking about right. or just all age groups as a whole so how how is that going it's very interesting because they're very excited in in a way they have pushed us. And, and and I think that, you know, you're absolutely right when you say that it leaves us with a complex and, um, and very ambitious agenda. But uh, it's about being relevant, isn't it? It's about being transformative. So if we're not, then we will be only doing whatever we know, regardless if that is making an impact or not. So we have to be constantly looking at what we do and being very agile. So Yes, there is a very important part of um, cultural transformation that is in, in, uh, significant that we are doing in, uh, internally as well. But from a, a, a beneficiary, a client, a, a patient perspective, they're very excited. And that has come from a lot of, of uh, trips, sitting down with them on the, you know, on the dirt floor and discussing what is it that they would 
what is the lever that they need? So uh, sitting down with a, a young woman in, in Nicaragua, 23 years old, she's doing her fifth, uh, fifth grade. So she's in primary school, although she's already in her early, early 20s. And I said, what would help you? What's the next thing? And she said, I would love to learn English. No, learn computers in English. So she wanted to do both things, right? She saw hmm. that there is a lever there. And when they say that, then you have to go a little bit deeper and understand what is the technology that they're looking for. Yeah. And um, so in this case, it's really becoming digital uh, literate, is yeah. also being able to become a better um, workforce uh, you know, be, be, be a part of the workforce in a much more um, attractive way. And the third part is also, uh, which she didn't bring it up, but I'm just saying she needs to have connectivity because I can have the best tools, but if she cannot really use that, and in a way it's not going to be helping her. And I do that. I go to the field dressed up as a client or dressed up as a field officer and I will use the phone service that they do and I have to say it's very expensive to be poor so if you have to have a prepaid phone you will not do data you will not do search you're not going to be utilizing all those tools that a lot of the uh, organizations put out in in, in, availability so what we want is to bypass not just one, but a lot of these challenges and create, I would say, a super highway. Um, this is for the young community. They are very ready, and that's the language that they already speak. But with the uh, older community, I had a meeting recently in Puno, which is um, about you know, 17 hours by car from Lima, or about four or three hours from by plane. And these are old ladies, um, you know, that have been with us for 10, 15 years, and uh, they're all in their late 60s, early 70s, mm-hmm. and they all have a cell phone. They're in the, these are this beautiful, they use this beautiful uh, mochi layer skirts, and you don't see a bag on them, you don't see the cell phone, but you can hear things ringing, yeah. and then they pull up the cell phone and they will, they will use it. They, what they are concerned is that, is that gonna be very expensive? So they're ready. The, the technology uh, or, or the, the, the tools are not the big challenge. I think the big challenge is how are we going to bring it to them in a way that they can afford. So that's when I hear that they all are looking for a easier way, uh, more convenient way. The aspiration is aspiration is something that it's universal to all of us. Um, so they have the same aspirations that we do. And it's our job to find out what are the ways for us to you know, disrupt uh, yeah. the way the services are coming to them and make and, and, and remove the obstacles. So, so it's interesting. It's not a generational from our from our perspective. It hasn't been a generational push. We mm-hmm. see it in all, uh, but with different incentives. One is to be part of the the market, and the other ones is to make their lives more. Um, easier they don't need to be in uh, waiting for something for three hours they want to be able to push a button on their phone now how for that we need to introduce um in better better services but definitely make it more affordable so it's not just the quality and uh, so that leads to to i 
I think an, a very interesting question for you, but um, you're dealing, so you're dealing with, with healthcare, you're dealing with education, you're dealing with empowerment. You're also now adding this technology wrinkle. And as you and I know, technology can be sure very empowering and liberating, but extremely complicated, extremely, extremely complicated. And in its early stages, very costly, right? Right. So um, from a partnership standpoint, um, what type of organizations, and this goes beyond technology, but what type of organizations are you partnering with or are you looking to partner with if that mm -hmm. if folks that, that might be listening to this mm -hmm. to implement, you know, your new strategies, tactics, and, and this new, you know, um, vision uh, for your clients? Absolutely. So a couple of things. Technology can add a lot of complexity, but to the user, it should be transparent. It should be simple. So it adds complexity to the service provider, which is us. Exactly. Right? exactly. And uh, so from that perspective, I think that what we want to do is understand what they need. So for example, some of them are asking for legal services and we should be able to put all these incredible law firms that have been providing uh, pro bono services for our clients mm -hmm. on a simple app and exactly. we become the brokers. Now, the complexity comes on our shoulders and I'm looking into a lot of different organizations. My, um, I have three organizations that are kind of the, let's say the role models for the next uh, phase of Promohair. One is Alphabet, the parent company of Google. And mm -hmm. I'm looking at that from the way that Google started as a web search engine and today has you know self-driven cars or thermostat that are intelligent so different things but still under the same umbrella mm -hmm. and very uh but, but very very different industries there are different products different services but still with a, conne a connection uh, amazon is actually a an incredible platform that I feel that we should emulate, and that's mm -hmm. because we should not be providing to our clients just what we what we have. We have today relationship with three hundred thousand women in Latin America. I want to get to eighty million because that's the number, more or less, of you know, not too much, uh, I would say, uh, economic precision, but it's more or less the number of vulnerable women in Latin America today. So if we want to get to 80 million, we need to become the platform. And through our platform, we can bring the provide, provide the services of a lot of other organizations, because not all of us need to be investing in platforms. We already have this, so might as well bring the service. It's not about us, it's about the, 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 the beneficiaries. So we're look, we're part, we were partnering with NetHope, for example, which is a nonprofit that works with the largest nonprofits, uh, pulling together resources to interact with the te the 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 the, the, um, the technology sectors. Uh, we partner with Microsoft. We partner with. We're starting conversations with Google. We're very excited about that. Uh, we would like to work more with Facebook, for example. Um, we work with a group at Duke University called Innovation in Healthcare. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a big fan of Singularity University because we need to look into technology that has been deployed today, but we also need to keep the long term and start looking into what can be utilized in the next four or five years. I think that machine learning soon can have a 
play it can play a, a big role in what we're doing in supporting um you know women in latin america and eliminating poverty throughout the world i think that uh, virtual reality can have a role on uh, on 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 a uh, on treatment of um of uh uh domestic violence uh, uh, victims. So all of this, but this is for the future. Right now we're looking into how can we put in place a f infrastructure. So uh, just recently sat down with Cisco. Can mm -hmm. we put an infrastructure in place that makes this this avenues easier? Can we put the road the the, the, the roadmap in place for us to have a uh, telecom structure and then we have a data structure that we can then provide the services easier can we put in place the right levels of multi stack platform that we can provide not only information we can provide different type of trading we can provide different types of interaction to the clients so we're also looking a lot on the very early stage a lot of the startup companies because they come much more flexible um, for example, a shout out to First Access, which was in the first uh, 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 companies that start putting in place uh, credit scoring for low income individuals that you can access on your cell phone. So instead of waiting five days, yeah. you can do that in five minutes. So that saves a lot of, uh, uh, of, of trouble there. And it allows people to have a, to, you know, individuals that never had a credit history to develop that. And that allows them to later on even uh, qualify to other financial products that are beyond what we, we provide. So there is a lot of innovation that we think that can be done. But innovation is not just about technology. It's also about how you provide a services, how you organize yourself. So uh, we're excited about uh, some of the things that um, Planned Parenthood is, to, is, is doing in terms mm -hmm. of extending education to uh, young women, uh, working with advocacy. So, so it's all different different types of organizations that uh, we feel that it's important for us to um, bring to the table. And since we are, as of now, one of the largest organizations of women working for women in Latin America, we want to become this platform that um, in, 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 in many ways um, make it more cost effective for other organizations to come and work to with the same constituency that we that we are working right now i mean if you <clears throat> if you were to ask me where i see you um, in a couple of years after hearing all this a very very thoughtful and and very strategic approach to not only your present or your future i see you as you know from a platform perspective for example and using those two examples that you mentioned um, Google and, and specifically Amazon, you know, Amazon has been able to create, it has this macro umbrella, but within it, it has created these micro economies, exactly. right? And you can easily create these micro economies of sorts. And I'm using the term economy, but it's not really a, an economy. It's like, a, it's kind of like a micro um, universes of sorts. Each are individually focusing and functional functioning mm -hmm. in a very unique manner it could be right. around healthcare it could be around knowledge exactly. it can be education it can be around uh, legal empowerment it can be about you know domestic violence all kinds of mm -hmm. things and then you've got you know other really interesting things that that you can focus on as well so i i see you as as having a tremendous future i mean just tremendous i i don't even think there's a limit to all the things that you can do 
it's interesting to say that because we, I'm calling. So as we build this, you know, multi-stack platform that I find that has three prong. One is that it's two very important for us to create, and we already have, but to, to maintain, to nurture the the human component. So we have today about a thousand people in the field, and these are the ones that talk to our three hundred thousand. Uh, 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 beneficiaries, and yeah. this is a, it's a personal relationship. We have to have that because that's what uh, nurture the, the 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 ties of trust, and and uh, these are communities that are new to all this space. So it's not necessarily it's like you and me that we're used to a bank is there and the door exactly. is open for you, right? Exactly. So that's the first part of the platform. The second part is we have today about 140 brick and mortar buildings, spaces for the, that they can convene, that they can come, that they can see a, a, a doctor, that they can come in for, for classes, financial. But the third one is this digital platform that I see that is a multi-stack. And that's because it gets, has this component of um, trading information. It has the component of providing different services that are both as micro as, as you know, bringing back the Amazon um, uh, example, provide some of the things that are generated by Amazon or by us, but also by our um, by our competitors, by other people, because it's not about us; it's about providing more sources, uh, more 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 space for the women. But the other piece too is allowing a ecosystem. So the creations of different ecosystems, and we call that because the there is the ecosystem of women that that need to share one one type of, of, of service or they, you know, they may be uh, the financial services that you bring in or um, the digital literacy. Um, we are looking into this whole digital and mobile payment. So there's a lot of ecosystems that we feel that it's important to create. So the three different levels of the platform with the digital becoming an even more complex one. The other part of it, that there's a base, that there's a fundamental uh, area that we're looking at, and I know that is dear to your heart, it's big data. And that's because we feel that we can look back and say, okay, in 30 years, we have de- dealt with millions of women and their families. Um, what have we learned? How can we codify this? What kind of analysis can we draw from that? And how can we contribute to the common good with this with this, uh, 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 this um, learning? So Absolutely. more people can 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 operate on that and then the other part too with whenever you talk about big data you also talk about the quality of the data right is that even if we don't have tons of things you know of 30 years ago we can start collecting this of now so we a big shout out to women's stats women's stats is one of the uh most um ambitious project of uh, a database about women so they collect over 150 indicators about women throughout the world. And the more we know about women and girls, the more we can then uh, provide the right service to them. So, so it's a, it's a bit, it's about looking into um, where to collect, how, what to collect, and then understand the segregation of the data so we can provide better services Absolutely. for women and girls. Absolutely. And, and from, from, for example, from a, 
from a um, let's say from a healthcare standpoint you know you can you can collect data and eventually you can have really smart targeted strategies based on what you've learned over the past three four five seven ten years you know that really works you can identify what are the key drivers that the human eye can't really identify because we have our own biases right mm -hmm. and, exactly. the and the data will tell you no look you're just dismissing a very key point because that's part of your your own fabric and you don't see it on issue, as an issue, but this is a real issue. That's right. what's holding somebody back or that's what's hurting somebody or here are the key strategies and tactics on how to ne negotiate a micro loan or here what could be a key driver in in what's you know and you know what could be an um you know a uh, an issue with cervical cancers we've uh, we've discussed right. so there's so many things that that data in addition to data as a support mechanism you know yes. a, 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 in addition to everything that you're doing or supplementally to what you're doing that's that's fascinating but look let me have let me ask you we're almost out of town, uh, out of time. So I have one last question for you. Well, actually, two questions. One, um, let's say that I, I am a listener and I want to get involved and let uh, and learn more. Uh, where should I go and what should I do? So come to our website, promohair.org. So it's p r o m u j e r dot org. Mm -hmm. uh, drop us a note. Give us a call and we will be back with a lot of ideas because we need all kinds of uh, support. We need a lot of ideas and we also need a lot of arms and, <laughs> and legs yeah. uh, throughout Latin America. Today, we work in five countries. We are in a process of looking into what else should we be working at. We work in financial health, I'm sorry, financial services, healthcare, and education. We, as we spoke here today, are looking into providing digital literacy, uh, legal service, health and wellness overall. And um, uh, so we're very excited. We're, we're looking for volunteers. We're looking for new ideas. We're looking for alliances. And of course, uh, we do look for donations. So if, uh, if that's what drives you, please look into our website as well. Perfect. Absolutely. And, and my last question to you, and, and I always ask, um, you know, my guests about this. If there is a if there is a young girl listening to you today and she's 14 years old, she wants to learn, you know, she wants to go places. She she she's very passionate about certain things. What are what are you know some really great advice that you can provide her? You know, things that you've learned throughout your professional and your personal career that will help. You know, not only solve her, save her a lot of obstacles, but at the same time, uh, help her get to where she wants to go. Okay, so this is for the the young girls that are going to be the new leaders yes. that is going to take all of us out of this space that it's one-sided is trust yourself, trust your God. You're not alone. If you fall, it's okay to get up. And if you fall, it's okay to get up. And if you fall, it's okay to get up. So resilience is something that we uh, work it out and we uh, learn and it's a muscle that becomes stronger the more you do it. And that you are it. You are the promise of this world. So for all the young girls out there, we count on you. Very much so. 
That's wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, again, if you want to learn more about Maria's organization and all of her work, you can go to www.promuger.org. And uh, please feel free to drop them a line and to, you know, volunteer or assist in any way that that you can. It, it's critical. It's critical not only um, for folks in in this country, but folks throughout the entire world. Um, we have to see this issue as as a global issue, not just a domestic issue, because if if we think that we have, you know, serious issues here domestically, um, it only gets far more complex as we as we cross, you know, each individual borders. So uh, thank you very much, Maria. It's been a pleasure and would love to have you back. Thank you so much, Javier. This is fantastic. And uh, anytime. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much.